0: To learn more, visit UASCC.org or UnitedWayNCC.org.
1: A variety of programs and purchases have been made over the last year using the over $28 million in American Rescue Plan funds the city of Jamestown received from the federal government as pandemic relief. We talked more about how the last year has gone with Jamestown Mayor Eddie Sunquist. We have Jamestown Mayor Eddie Sunquist on the line with us today. Hello and welcome. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me, Julia. So we're at just over a year point from when the Chautauqua Region Community Foundation presented their summary of the public input sessions uh, that were held on how to use the over $28 million in American Rescue Plan funds that the city of Jamestown received. So at this point, we have over half of of that money has been spent or allocated to programs and more proposals seem to come forward every month. What is your feeling for how the allocation process has gone over the last almost a year?
2: You know, I think we were very cognizant as an administration to uh, work with the community foundation and others to best ask the community how to spend that money and how do we move forward with it. And so we were able to come up with a really great master plan uh, that was adopted by the city council and. You know, since that time, some of the priorities have shifted and changed. Some of the priorities from the city council have shifted and changed. Uh, So we are um, fairly on track with how we were planning on uh, spending it. But there are uh, other categories that may have switched or moved. We've taken some things from economic development, and we've moved it more into housing. Uh, We've kind of gone through and said, do we need all the funding in water, sewer, broadband, or can we apply it to other projects? So there's been a lot of shifting uh, back and forth uh, in negotiation between city council and the community and the priorities of the administration. Uh, but we're certainly spending it, and we're certainly allocating it. And I want to just remind your listeners, we need to actually allocate all of the funding, all $28 million by 2024. So we're getting very close, and we want to make sure that we've got all of that, all of those funds accounted for that need to be accounted for. Um, they don't have to be spent until 2026, but we have to at least allocate all $28 million by
1: 2024. Mm-hmm. Do you feel with what has been put out there already and has been spent that it's made a difference?
2: Yeah, we, we really think so, that it has made a difference. We've had direct funding to, uh, to business, uh, to, to individuals, to people. Uh, we're looking at funding uh, to support our not-for-profits and other programs uh, across the city. Uh, we're talking about funding that went directly to fixing roofs, uh, for fixing up homes for senior citizens. These are all much-needed activities that occur, and to receive that kind of shot in the arm from the federal government uh, has really been positive and certainly helpful. I just wish that we could spend it all on helping people fix their homes and dealing with homelessness and dealing with mental health and drug addiction. You know, we have a lot of needs as a city, and we're trying to balance uh, how to best spend those, those funds.
1: Mm-hmm. One regular attendee of, I think, all city meetings practically, Doug Champ, has brought up repeatedly the need for the funds to be used for p- pandemic relief efforts or stuff related to COVID-19. So in terms of what has been passed and proposed lately, how does that measure up to that standard?
2: Well, it depends on what you are defining as uh, COVID-19 uh, pandemic relief, right? Uh, certainly the relief in the original law allowed for many different items that could, the funding could be spent for. You know, the pandemic hit people in so many different ways. So there's a, there's a question of whether do you spend all the money just trying to plan for the next pandemic? Do you spend part of the money for that and part of the money on helping people recover and rebound? Or do you spend it all on recovery and rebound? You know, I think the answer to that is uh, no city has done it the same. And there has been no actual guidance or direction on how exactly we're supposed to spend that money. In fact, the U.S. Treasury Department and the federal government has created a wide uh, array of things that you can use the funding on to uh, really help communities pick and choose what will ha- best help them rebound from this pandemic.
1: Mm-hmm between the master plan and obviously there's been other proposals that have been passed and other directions that council has gone and so i guess as of last night it was said that if everything that is on the table is passed right now including allocating more money to the senior citizens home improvement program that there would be just over about four million dollars left if you could have a hope for how you would use those remaining funds where would you be on that
2: yeah, so we're we're on track. We, we as an administration think that the $4 million is is about right, uh, and that's something that you want to hold back to see, you know, w- what else will happen with this pandemic, right? Are we looking at a potential recession? Will we need that funding for lost revenue? Is there something else that might be coming up on the horizon that we may want to wait closer to 2024 to spend that? So we feel confident holding off on really touching and spending that four million just for a little bit longer to understand where the economy is going to end up in the next few months is really imperative uh, so I, I completely agree with the city council as they're saying hey let's make sure we watch what we're spending um, but you know certainly we want to make sure that we are able to get funding out directly to the people um, now keep in mind the four million would be uh, would be the number if the council also approves uh, funding to go directly towards demolition and housing uh, repair, uh, funding for uh, economic development initiatives, uh, and for other uh, home uh, and development programs.
1: Mm-hmm. Is your sense from the discussion, because there's been a couple proposals, I think I'm thinking specifically about the 19A Home Ownership Program, is it, uh, which has appeared on the council's agenda, I think this is the third month maybe, maybe fourth month it's been on the agenda, um, do you get a sense that they're trying to put the brakes on without actually saying that?
2: You know, unfortunately, I can't speak for the city council, and uh, we haven't really had much discussion. There weren't any questions last night about it. They've certainly asked for additional information regarding the program. Uh, but, you know, the ultimate uh, the ultimate decision by the city council is their vote, right? So they can they're the only ones that can kind of tell us if we want to move forward or not with that program. Uh, certainly there's been additional questions on it but no city council member has said let's put the brakes we absolutely don't want this Uh, i guess we'll leave that up to the city council as they decide to either move forward with it or not Mm
1: -hmm. you've probably some of my question will be answered here has it has been answered here but uh, you will be announcing your proposed 2023 executive budget this week uh we are recording and we'll air this ahead of that announcement so i realize I probably can't get you to let the cat out of the bag entirely, but what what can you tell us about what you were looking at when you were putting together your budget over the last month?
2: You know, we're really looking at what do we we absolutely need going into 2023? It's always a challenging year. We've seen rising interest rates, we've seen rising costs. Uh, The cost of gas has gone up astronomically. Uh, The cost of uh, employees, right, has gone up astronomically. And we've made commitments, both using uh, rescue plan funding and others, uh, to provide services to the city. And so we're really just trying to incorporate that uh, all together. Uh, My number one goal is to make sure that we aren't raising taxes, that we are keeping the tax rate, the tax levy, excuse me, the tax rate flat, uh, so that we can continue to provide uh, relief to our homeowners. Uh, We've been very fortunate the last several years to ensure that the tax rate has Uh, Remained either flat or just slightly below the year before, Uh, so we're really working to make sure that that's a priority uh, because we we understand what it means to live in the city of Jamestown and the costs that it that it takes, and so we're finding ways to make sure that we can keep that affordable and consistent for our residents. Is
1: that I mean, obviously inflation and. and Pending recessions possible. Are there any bright spots that you are you've had in the last year that have impacted the budget proposal for next year? You know, certainly
2: sales tax. Uh, we are we are anticipating that sales tax uh, will be going up. Uh, you know, despite what people are saying, we're seeing that you know people are, are buying less items, but they're buying items at a higher rate. So when you would normally see people buy, especially for the holidays, maybe more, uh, more gifts, more items, we're seeing less items, uh, but we're still seeing same higher ticket value numbers. So we are anticipating that sales tax will go up. We're kind of conservative, conservatively estimating an increase in that. Uh, that's consistent with what other cities have been doing across New York State. So that's certainly a bright spot. The other bright spot that we're seeing is that the, the value of properties has gone up. Uh, almost 6% uh, this year uh, alone, and it's a really incredible thing to see that people are investing in the city of Jamestown, they're investing in their properties, their uh, building, uh, we have a new home going up and a couple other things, and it's great to see that the value for the city is uh, has gone up.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, thinking of good news not related to your budget, but I it certainly it's probably down the line impacts it. Uh, there was good news that came out from New York State yesterday about Electrovia coming into the Chautauqua County area.
2: Yes, we're really excited to have Electrovia. Our teams at the Board of Public Utilities have been working with them uh, diligently. We have a whole initiative to attract uh, green technology companies here to the city of Jamestown and to the region, and that's one component of it. Although we weren't able to get that located right in the city of Jamestown, it is right outside, uh, but is in the BPU service territory. So the city of Jamestown will be providing the utilities that help create this battery assembly manufacturer. Um, 250 to 300 jobs uh, that it's going to be creating in this area, uh, and we are continuing to move forward with our uh, green technology companies coming to western New York.
1: And thinking of green, uh, it seems to be very timely that this announcement comes out just mere weeks before the Board of Public U- Utilities' big retool conference is happening on October 17th through 19th. So is this, is would you say Electrovia is a good example of the type of technologies that are being discussed at that conference?
2: It certainly is. The retool 2022 is a regional conference from October 17th to the 19th that just focuses on climate technology and green technologies, or clean technologies, for manufacturers and businesses, especially those that want to move into this sector. There's a lot of companies uh, that manufacture goods, and they really want to move into a climate-friendly and a green technology role in the work that they do. So this conference is going to bring together some incredible minds uh, from really across the country That's coming. that are coming to Jamestown, uh, to talk about how you can retool as a manufacturer or as a business, and talk about what are some of the new up-and-coming technologies. Right? How do we turn these diesel gas machines into green machines, electric machines? How do we focus on pivoting your company uh, for a new era in technology? Those are the things that this conference is going to address, and we are so excited uh, as to have this as part of the Board of Public Utilities in conjunction with NYSERDA and a whole bunch of other uh, entities in New York State that have made this
1: possible. Mm-hmm. Thinking of a, a different kind of green, and we've talked about this, this okay. topic in the past, uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, and, and, and green can be a lot of things. It can be money. It can be uh, technology. It could also be something that grows. And the Cannabis Control Board <laughs> has uh, finally uh, just started releasing different kinds of um permits out there and designations and are, are you are you hearing from anything from Albany from the control board about how things are going with dispensaries moving along there or I know we do have at least one business I think it's maybe I'm trying to think it might be just over the city line the relief market uh that had gotten the um the designation for growing um but do you have any update in terms of what's happening city in the city about that
2: Absolutely. So, you know, unfortunately, most of the conversation from the Office of Cannabis Management has been uh, pretty quiet. They've not provided a lot of information to cities besides what we already know. Uh, But they are working through their process. They have just put out applications for what's called justice-involved individuals, people that have uh, received marijuana convictions and are looking to get into the retail dispensary business. The state received over 900 applications. And they are going to be working through those applications. We, we know of at least one or two um, that have applied for uh, that type of application in the city of Jamestown. Uh, and we also have, as you mentioned, uh, one or two individuals that have already received licenses uh, to grow uh, cannabis here in the city of Jamestown. Uh, one is right outside the city they're growing, but they may have some in, in-city growing operations. And another one doing some uh, indoor growing operations as well. So we're really excited about that. We also have a good chunk of people on the line waiting for other licenses uh, for the Office of Cannabis Management. We have a large-scale uh, cannabis manufacturer and grower uh, that has purchased a large, a large factory building that's waiting to receive a license to start uh, converting and upgrading that, uh, that location. Um, we, have, we have that going all the way down the line to uh, some smaller co-op growing operations and uh, several retail dispensary operations. So we're really pushing on have running the gamut of manufacturing, growing, cultivation of uh, cannabis, all the way to uh, its sale, transport, and testing. So we're really excited to create this microeconomy uh, here in the city of Jamestown, and we're treating it just like every other manufacturer uh, manufacturing industry would.
1: So moving on from manufacturing and, and economic um, development, although I, it, I would say this is definitely has – ties to economies and things like that. Um, we've talked about homelessness and we've heard you talk about it at, at uh, city council meetings. It came up as a discussion point in the city council forum held last month. Do you have any updates on what is going on with this issue in Jamestown and Chautauqua County uh, and, it, and what's happening with it?
2: You know, I, it's a question that I get uh, pretty often. And it's something that I've heard, you know, no matter matter where I go, someone wants to ask, what are we doing about our homeless populations in the city? And the first thing I want to remind people is that, um, you know, my role as mayor and as the city, you know, we don't have all the answers and we we won't have all the answers. And so it's really important that we bring together uh, the people that do, the folks that are much smarter than I am, that can try to solve uh, these issues. But there is an immediate concern with homelessness, especially as the Frost starts to hit your windshields and the snow is, uh, is really in sight. Uh, we wanna, we're concerned about where do people go, right? Do they go into abandoned houses? Is there an emergency sheltering situation? And the other thing to note is that we've seen a sharp increase in the amount of homeless population that we have here in the city, where before we could house individuals in the two shelters that we have in the city and some emergency sheltering. That's much more difficult now. So as mayor, my goal is to bring together uh, you know, three different groups of partners, and that's a conversation later this week that we'll be having with a whole bunch of individuals. Um, number one, bring together all of our homelessness resource partners, the ones that are already on the street doing the work, and trying to get them to refocus on this new challenge, this increased population. The second group that we try to bring together are our faith-based groups, our churches, our organizations. You know, I, I told, I met them all. Um, we had a great or, a great meeting with a lot of our, our churches and faith-based groups. And the one thing I said is I don't know of any religion that doesn't say we need to help people, right, whether they're down on their luck or they are homeless or they're in need. Uh, so that's kind of the basis of why we're asking our faith-based groups to assist. And the third component we've started to bring in into the fold is our medical providers, right, because many times our individuals, really need that support right there on the spot. So we're starting to bring those three components together to say, how do we as a group solve the problem of homelessness? Do I think we're going to fully solve it? No, just like I don't think we're going to solve world peace anytime soon. Uh, But I do think that together we're going to be able to address the emergency sheltering needs of the winter and then start to look at a more longer term focus of the population we have here in the city of Jamestown
1: while you're looking at it, I call, you know, like you getting in the you know, the broad look at everything and meeting with different groups. I think a lot of citizens will say, well, what can I do as, you know, a resident of Jamestown or a business owner? Is there anything that you would recommend that those folks can do or who they should reach out to if they want to help this population?
2: Yeah, we really encourage you to work with uh, churches and organizations that support and serve the homeless population as it is. Right? We're, we're talking about you know, the soup kitchen. We're talking about the churches that are helping our homeless. We're talking about uh, places like COI, the Salvation Army, um, Mental Health Association, uh, all of those organizations that are helping people on the streets. Those are the folks that you want to go to and say, hey, how can I be of help and assistance? Um, as we start to formalize a, a larger process for emergency sheltering, we'll provide the public with some more information on how they can help. I can tell you that we've got an outpouring of people that want to help uh, folks, and this is an incredible thing. And I can't tell you as mayor how proud I am to be able to call together all these different groups to say, let's work on a solution. And people have been incredibly receptive, and that's a, a really wonderful thing to help move the city forward.
1: I think we're nearing about the two months, maybe it's about two months exactly, since the fatal drive-by shooting on Prendergast Avenue. And there were a number of things that came out of that, including the, the city uh, council public forum that was held in September. But has there been anything else that's been happening on the public safety side, with other initiatives or actions in the police department?
2: Absolutely. We've certainly increased our beat patrols and uh, neighborhood patrols. Uh, our detectives have been working diligently on, on that shooting, and there's been a lot of movement and progress on it. <clears throat> in addition, we've, uh, we, we committed to hiring uh, three new police officers, which would bring our police contingent up to uh, full capacity uh, for the city. And we have also uh, are working to create uh, a, a unit just dealing with not only uh, gun violence in the city, uh, but also uh, quality of life issues. We've had some setbacks, uh, only in the fact that we've been uh, trying to hire officers. We've had open positions, and uh, there, there is, uh, at this point, no one qualified <laughs> in civil, on the civil service list uh, for officers, uh, so we've been struggling to find individuals uh, to come join the police department. Um, once we have a full contingent of officers, we'll be able to fully uh, develop those, those different units. Um, in the meantime, we've also been looking at uh, federal and statewide uh, grant funding that can help us uh, deal with some targeted areas and hot spots across the city. So most people kind of think that we do more of like a scattered shot policing across the city, but the reality is when it comes to gun violence and when it comes to certain issues, we actually look at hot spot policing. So we look to see where crimes and issues and calls are coming from, And then we dedicate details and individuals to those areas uh, to help uh, deter additional crime in those areas. So it's something we've been working on for for quite a long time. And I've uh, I've been proud to say we have an incredible uh, police chief in Tim Jackson uh, that has been helping us as a a city uh, not only heal and cope with the shooting, uh, but ensuring that we have the right uh, people on staff at the police department uh, to help prevent future shootings.
1: But In terms of anything else coming up, is there anything that you would like to give us a heads up on or anything, other things happening with the city that you would want to talk about?
2: So the budget will be released on October 7th, and so we're really excited about that. We're also excited for Halloween that's coming. We're working on a bit of a different uh, tact for kids uh, for Halloween. We normally, the city's normally done a Halloween Um, Event uh, for many many years Uh, this year we may actually be converting it to more of a trunk or treat so we may have uh, places where kids can come and get candy and uh, meet uh, meet some kind of scary costumes and others uh, and we're going to be taking out some of the city equipment to to help help hold all that candy that we're going to have
1: is that something that will be held indoors or outdoors
2: uh, we're looking at right now outdoors uh, but we're uh, we're kind of waiting to see where the weather is going to go and we'll have more information as we get a little bit closer to that halloween time frame mm-hmm.
1: and it city council did have i would say quite a lengthy discussion about halloween hours does it is it your sense because it was my sense that it, they're going to go with 6 to 8 p.m again for trick-or-treating hours
2: that's my sense that it'll be 6 to 8 p.m on halloween You know this is something that usually comes up every year and uh, this year i i made sure the city council had that on their agenda to talk about because inevitably i get a lot of calls on what time halloween hours are going to be so we're working on getting that scheduled and we'll have more information going out to the public on those official hours in the coming days
1: anything else you'd like to add
2: Uh, no just uh, we appreciate all the hard work that uh, you guys have been doing in the in the media and we thank everyone who's been uh, really helping to uh, have a great fall this year at the city of Jamestown.
1: All right. Well, Mayor Sunquist, thanks so, so much for calling in today.
2: Thanks so much, Julia.